welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Brown. Thanks so much for joining me and Happy New Year. I'm excited to continue to dive into the fields of sound healing, sound therapy, and using sound for health and wellness. 2019 was the beginning of this podcast series, so we've been going for a year, and I really appreciate your feedback, your enthusiasm. There were so many great comments about the recent podcasts with Eileen McCusick and John Beaulieu, and I'm just excited to continue to explore these topics, these conversations, all these rabbit holes that we can go down, and let's see where 2020 leads us. Our first guest of the year is Arthur Hull. Arthur is a rhythm ambassador. He founded Village Music Circles in 1980, instructing thousands and thousands of people all over the world, facilitating drum circles. He's known as not only a drum circle facilitator, but an inspirational presenter, motivational trainer, And he's really created this grassroots movement uh, of people that are using rhythm as a means to improve uh, communities, human interaction, uh, using rhythm and and drum circles for leadership events and organizations, really internationally. We talk about his musical upbringing, how drums came into his life and his philosophy about drums and teaching the development of village music circles, how that expanded, uh, why drum circles, what is it about the group experience. And you'll notice that I left in even our very initial conversation from when we both answered the phone because I really wanted his personality and his character to come across. So leaving those in, I hope, does that. And just enjoy this conversation with Arthur Hull and all the adventures that he takes us on. Hello. Hello. Is this Arthur? Let me check. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've written it in my hat, so I'll have to do my hat. Because when I'm in the middle of a drum circle and, and I finished <laughs> one or something, and somebody comes, who are you? I don't know. And so I look at my look at my <laughs> hat, and it goes, Arthur, you are here. Sometimes <laughs> I spell it H-E-R-E, and this time I spelled it H-E-A-R. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, you're Natalie. I am Natalie. Hi, Natalie. At least currently, we, at the moment. We're going to we're going to do a, a bloggy thing. You can do question and answer. I tried to look you up, uh, and it ended up being some sort of actress. So oh, I don't think cool. you're the. Uh, yeah, that's good to know <laughs> since you probably don't know that you're an actress. No. Um. <laughs> Uh, but you have a blog, uh, you do, it looks like you do a little bit of personal growth, sound healing mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Are we in the right direction? Yeah, I'm a professional violinist. I do this podcast on basically using sound for health and wellness. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. yeah, I'm a music educator, taught high school orchestra for 14 years and music, music, music. Yeah. So you got chop chop shops, but your the blog mm-hmm. is heading towards um, mindfulness That's through right. music, personal growth kind of stuff. That exactly. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right, we're good to go. 
All right. Well, I know who I know. I know that who I'm talking to as far as right. the, the community that listens to you. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. Not the actress, right. but the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would love to start with um, kind of your progression. I know a lot of people know you as the father of the community drum circle movement and all that you're yeah, doing that's, that's now. Yeah, that's outreach. That, that's mm-hmm. bullshit. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I didn't go around um, uh, screwing communities. I, I actually went around as a midwife <laughs> rather than a father. Mm-hmm. Uh, the potential was already there. Some communities were already pregnant and didn't know how to have the baby. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't use the word father anymore, and I haven't used it. 20 years, but it just kind of follows me around. Sure. Um, um, more of a midwife. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Continue. Yeah, I was, I would love to hear um, your background as, as far as early on, like, where, did you grow up learning drums and percussion? How did your, that drumming start for you? Okay. So we're running, right? We're doing the question That's and right. answer thing now. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. All right. So I was born at a very early and young age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was born in uh, Utah in the Mormon culture. Um, I don't know why God did that. Um, uh, I was, you know, when you're a fish in water, you don't know that you're in water. Um, uh, but I kept on questioning things that uh, uh, people just assumed, and I didn't. Um, and I also wondered why they wouldn't let me twist with chubby checker because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it was dancing below the waist, right? right? Mm-hmm. Or that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I was always a percussionist. The, the, my first uh, rhythm teacher was a mockingbird that would come and sit in my willow tree while I come home from school for lunch. And I'd sit under the tree and listen to him sing. Um, as a young kid, and I started learning his chops, his songs, and and I started singing them back to him, uh, and he left, and I got upset. I talked to my dad, and my dad told me what mockingbirds were doing, which was claiming their territory with their music, and I had learned his songs, and and he talked to me, I didn't understand it at first, but he, he talked to me about how people see other people do what they do as well as they do it, and they think the other person is better. And so he left. Uh, and that made me sad because it was, you know, I didn't know he was my rhythm teacher, but I just loved what he was doing. Uh, so he came back about a week later, um, sitting underneath a, a willow tree, eating my school, my lunch. Um, and he come back and he had, practiced his chops and added stuff hmm. you know and he was uh, his, his his old song one of his old songs was and now it's okay kind of like <laughs> you know so there buddy what do you got so that was he was my first rhythm teacher so yeah. basically it, the world taught me about rhythm. My first drum was the sheet metal furnace in the basement. And that was so much fun because the basement was all cement, there was good reverb, and the sheet metal, some places had high pitches, some people places had low pitches. 
And so I just wasn't working with a sound. I was working with all kinds of sounds. The, my musical instrument at that time was the steps down to the basement. And the high pitches were uh, on the bottom steps because they had less places to reverberate. And the low pitches were on the high, high uh, um, parts of the steps. And so uh, when somebody would come down the steps, they'd go, do, 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 and it got to the point, I lived in the basement. Uh, my bedroom was in the basement. I was too noisy and rambunctious to be allowed up, upstairs. Um, and I knew who was coming downstairs mm -hmm. by how they played that instrument. That was my bilophone. Um, uh, um, and I knew that if mom was coming down the stairs to um, do something downstairs where the laundry is and the pantry and such, or if she was coming down to visit me, because she would come down the steps in a different way. Very interesting. Um, and so, yeah, my uh, my musical education started very, very young. Uh, and so I was already a rhythmist before I knew what rhythm was. Uh, I'd look at the uh, the a mountain range and see a rhythm in it, right? Um, that kind of that kind of stuff, and uh, in other words, I had this disease called percussionitis, which a lot of us, a lot of us in this world, uh, have and uh, don't really know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was that. I'm, uh, you wanted early, that's early. Right. Okay. Um, um, so yeah, my first real education was going to Hippie Hill at the end of the panhandle in the, the park in San Francisco. So while the Grateful Dead was playing down in the larger part of the park, we were, the hippies were up on Hippie Hill uh, jamming out and freeform drum, doing freeform drumming. Uh, but I, I was actually going to San Francisco. I was a young man in the military getting ready for Vietnam. And um, I was going to San Francisco to learn from the street drummers Afro-Cuban and Brazilian drumming. Uh, and they were the ones who were telling me to stay away from Hippie Hill because the, the hippies were ignorant and disrespectful of culture and didn't know what they were doing and blah, 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 blah. And this was the right way to play. And, and here's, here's some rhythms that have been passed down from generations to generations that have a name. And in some of them that were African, uh, they, they had a purpose. So there were rhythms for wrestling and rhythms for flirting and rhythms for getting married and rhythms for having babies and things like that. Um, and so we had culturally specific drumming and that's what I was learning in the streets. And of course I went to Hippie Hill because I was already a free form drummer from the, probably the day I was born. I think my mom said she was glad to get me out. Hmm. Uh, uh, and um, and so I, I straddled these two different what looked like separate cultures for, for many years. Uh, I went to the first six rainbow gatherings uh, and, and drum my hands raw uh, night and day uh, in this free form kind of uh, expression. Uh, and I also continued uh, learning about and, and taking classes from culturally specific uh, drummers and drum teachers and master drummers and people representing culture from around the world, not just Africa. Um, the hippie thunder drummers, as I used to call them, um, 
saw culturally specific drumming like a wild horse would see a corral. That they believed that there was a spirit inside of this and there should be no rules and we just all let it all hang out and see what happens and we'll find the magic place. And, and um, we did um, constantly. Um, but we also stumbled on top of each other and tripped each other over and bumped each other rhythmically and rhythms would fall apart or not go anywhere constantly. Okay, and there was a frustration in that. The other side was you were learning the basic elements of musicality uh, in the traditionally um, culturally specific uh, drumming because this stuff was fine-tuned and passed down from generation to generation from grandfather to grandson, so on and so forth. Uh, and they had, these rhythms had names and they had purposes and most of them had songs that went with them and, and the songs that went with them went with the actions that the rhythms represented uh, and so on and so forth. And so we were learning aspects of musicality, how the parts all put together and how we did this and how we did that. But there was a hierarchy and you couldn't lead until you owned you own the basic elements of whatever it is. Like if you were gonna try to join an Afro-Cuban um, um, group of people who are playing Wawonko, then first of all, they wanna see if you could just, they give you two sticks and see if you can play the clave pattern that would hold the whole thing together. If you did that, great, then you can move up to, to, to Boomba and play the bottom. You learn the bottom part, now, now you know how the bottom part fits in between the Golpes and the, the segundos of the, of the second part. And then when you get that down, then maybe they'd let you lead a little bit to see if you could do it or not. But it's a hierarchy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the, so you just couldn't change a note um, uh, to express yourself in a culture-specific song because that would change what the song is when all the parts come together and make this music. Uh, and so... Um, um, what I've discovered was I straddling um, a coin. I was straddling two sides of a coin mm -hmm. where the, the seed of one was in the, the thing of the other. And the thing that was missing in one was in the other, regardless of what it was. And so at some point, uh, I, I was, you know, I became a drummer and I became a musician and I played with all kinds of bands and um lots of world beats and I was a, a, a part of the the pioneering in San Francisco and the Santa Cruz and Bay Area of of something they were calling world beat um, uh, and um, um, it was it was kind of looked like a fad and every band says okay we'll just get a conga player and we'll be world beat right <laughs> uh, but there were certain aspects of of um, um, contemporary, um, at first, um, African, contemporary African highlife music that was foundational from the culturally specific areas that they were doing um, that made it world beat. Um, uh, later on, we discovered that world beat could be really world beat. And there were, there were you know, um, people doing culturally specific uh, music uh, from um, Transylvania <laughs> mm -hmm. and then doing their jam on top of that and mm -hmm. using those aspects of it. Same thing with uh, the, the, the Tuvi singers, the throat singers sure. from 
Mongolia. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, you know, stepped out of tradition, but used the tradition as a foundation or a platform to express contemporary versions of that kind of music. And so that was a whole lot of fun, too. But at the same time, I was um, found myself teaching at the University of California in Santa Cruz. I was teaching village music. Uh, uh, and, and I was doing it in an eclectic style. And to start my classes, I would have the kids jam out. And then we'd do the class. And then at the end, we would jam out. And the, the jamming stuff was the beginning of learning myself how to facilitate in the moment music with a group of people to get them to listen to each other, collaborate and cooperate and make this kind of freeform hippie thunder drumming music, but using elements of musicality, listening, how to fit parts together, all this other kind of stuff without necessarily forcing them to do it. So it wasn't necessarily a class. Then I started taking that to schools and personal growth uh, programs, doing rhythmical alchemy play shop. Mm -hmm. and, and you know you, you know repackage it retitle it and and then find different kinds of games that help people connect to each other and so yeah, i wrote a book on you know mm -hmm. drum circle games and rhythm games that's for anybody and everybody um for community so on and so forth and and i started i found myself starting to do drum circles as team buildings and corporations and slowly but surely, I started developing how to train people, how to facilitate free-form drumming in rhythm-based events for all kinds of, or all parts of our society and all kinds of um, caregiving professions in our community, from schools to special needs to music therapy to kids at risk programs to going into prisons to you know you start you start naming it and, and as i was doing this my intention was to really first of all show drummers how they could develop a new profession called drum circle facilitation and then take that profession into different parts of societies and make a living from that because Drummers are, you know, starving to death because they have to be a drummer in a band and it really locks them into this kind of, you know, you want to, you want to pay your rent and, and you've got a family and you have to go, you know, do what you have to do to get your kids through school. You're going to have to be in nine bands to make it work, right? Uh, but as I expanded this out and made it public, I started, I started with my advanced students at the university uh, field testing this stuff. Um, and as I started making it accessible and available and doing um, what we call play shops, uh, facilitator, drum circle facilitator play shops, um, three-day programs on how to facilitate rhythm-based events, the world showed up. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going, what? I thought this was just for drummers, right? And music therapists and kids and risk counselors and school teachers and corporate trainers and blah, 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 blah. Um, and now, now at 73, <laughs> I finally realized that, you know, this serves our population uh, and covers at almost anything from prenatal 
all the way through the spectrum of how we work and world live and serve and care in the world all the way to um hospice mm-hmm. that's how i got started sharing sharing my passion and and being fearless mm-hmm. and experimenting and failure 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 sure uh yeah because that's how you learn you make you make the mistakes and you learn from them if you just make the mistake but and you go oh damn it that was a mistake you didn't learn from it Right. Right. It's like you you took the best of the both aspects, how you learned, you know, this kind of learning the rules of engagement, understanding the aspects of musicality, but also the free form that had no rules. Like, how can you merge those together? Right. Um, And through your your teaching and your experimenting at the university, you kind of found uh, the key aspects to both. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then how to be able to to introduce it to people in such a way that they don't even know that they're learning this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's you know that's that's, a, that's the key to a successful community drum circle event is that you don't turn it into a drum class that you actually teach without teaching. We uh, we we talk about the the four steps in a in a in a protocol that brings a group to a successful place where they're in orchestrational uh, uh, consciousness, even though they're not musicians, right? And you start as the dictator because you've got to teach them the rules of engagement. And you do that through uh, interactive working with them, body language, and you teach them the body language that you're going to be using to guide them to music. So they all get together, so they're starting to drum. You can always cheat and bring somebody that can actually hold down the low drum beat and keep everything anchored. Um, uh, And then you go in the middle of the circle and you do full group interventions that teaches them volume down. Let's listen to each other without saying anything. Um, um, A stop cut, the the, uh, tension call signals to prepare them for... um, other other kinds of active active signals like stop cut and call to groove one two let's all play and things like that now those are basics once they learn the basic body language and, and the most important thing is that you're actually leaving the circle a lot you go in the circle you do an intervention they get it you bring them back to music and you get the hell out of the circle and so you keep giving the message it's about them it's about them it's about them listening to each other, collaborating, and cooperating. And slowly but surely, you, you teach them the body language you're going to use to become what we call the director. Now you go in the circle, and it's still joyful noise, but now they're playing together as a group rather than individuals. And with that group consciousness and their understanding of your body language, you can direct their attention to elements in the group that make the music. Um, simple things like uh, inviting all the low drummers to continue to play, stopping everybody else. Okay, now all of a sudden there's a low drum song. Okay, and all the, the other drummers, medium and high pitched drummers, and all the sh- bells and people playing shaker rays and woods, they're listening to this. And you're actually introducing them to the foundation, the basic foundational platform of the music that they're going to be adding to. Now you can go one, two, let's all play. And then everybody just jumps in and you have more chaos and a joyful noise. And some people 
um, naturally will be listening to the low drums mm-hmm. now that you've educated. You've educated them without telling them, these are the low drums. You're stupid. I know you don't, <laughs> right? You know, you've got to listen to these guys when you want to join into the music. They're your foundation, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. You do that a few times. They get it. You, uh, and boom, away you go. And and so there's ways of layering in different parts of the circle, different players in such a way that listening takes place and you guide them towards ensemble consciousness and so instead of just playing together as a group they're playing together and they understand now that the low drums are the bottoms and the medium drums are the hard and the high drums are the the timekeepers and so on and so forth and that everyone's got a part to play and no parts any more or less important than any other part when you're doing rhythmical alchemy in a free form community or corporate drum circle and boom they're on ensemble consciousness now that they're ensemble consciousness music starts showing up the joyful noise is still there but now it's moving towards interactive dialogue and there's tricks of the trade where you can pass out little parts uh, and help generate that kind of listening and dialogue beep 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 honk 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 kind of stuff and all of a sudden that becomes a platform for musicality so once the musicality starts showing up and it happens pretty quickly even even with a group of people in a rural farmland village in japan <laughs> you know a bunch of mom dads and kids and nobody's ever drummed before but that the the elders said we're all going to get together and drum together with this guy right uh um, uh, the magic happens. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be a drummer to participate. And that is something else that we can get involved in, the magic of that instrument, those drums, how accessible they are to even people who are not musicians. And slowly but surely, they're making the music and you facilitate their music making. A little bit, small successes, one step at a time to, towards the end, you don't need to go in the circle. Basically, um, I teach my students, as they become drum circle facilitators, that uh, their job description, if they're successful, is to fire themselves at the end of every circle. (laughs) You're there to facilitate self-facilitation, to teach these people how to listen, cooperate, and share their spirit in a way that the quality and the quantity of the music is based on the relationship the quality and the quantity of the relationship they're able to generate in that one and a half hours or or two hours, however long a circle is. It doesn't matter the size. Okay, I'm going to shut up now because I could talk for another 12 (laughs) hours on that subject alone. Well, it seems like that the teach without teaching, the learning by doing gets rid of that that aspect that sometimes you come across in drum circles is there's somebody with a big ego there's somebody trying to show off and things just kind of crash and burn and collapse well that that happens it happens in uh, facilitated circles as well Mm -hmm. on on some levels at some times but when you've got group consciousness who understand and the people actually are understanding the intention and purpose of what we're doing uh, it, it tends to damper the ego down and open up the aspect of sharing 
rather than soloing. Okay, right. but don't worry, we'll we'll still get ego drummers in our in our drum circles, and there's a thousand different ways to deal with that without making making it a negative thing. How do you, you know? And and a lot of times, the, they are just so excited, they just don't know how to play with other people because they have been taught how to solo on top of other people, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get, then you get, um, um, you get dueling banjo situations with <laughs> two or three hotshot drummers. Uh, and that's perfect. It really is perfect. And, and you come in as a facilitator and you, you sculpt out and you showcase these people and you trade for so they can go go ahead and do their i'm better than you are or let's see how fast you can do this kind of stuff and using the other group it's foundational for that to happen it's exciting for the non-players okay uh, it's nice and foundational uh and it's also a good relationship you're actually uh showcasing their ego and their uh, playing ability and at the same time you're showing them that there's a time for soloing and there's a time for supporting mm -hmm. Okay, uh, lots of lots of ways of of dealing with that kind of um, pardon the uh, language, the masturbating uh, solo drummer. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Next subject. <laughs> well, do you consider the drum to be healing? What is so beneficial about <laughs> the drum and that word healing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The word healing. I'd say in. Uh, we all, when we all start out, we come out of this this place of where the drum has healed us. We become the advocate for the drum as a healing tool, and it is. Uh, but uh, I am am da -da 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 -da, Arthur Hull, and so I found myself um, uh, going into music therapy conventions. Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. where there it's full of music therapists, and and. Um, you can't use the word drum and healing in the same sense, okay? Um, because they uh, have been very, very careful as to how they present themselves with inside the administrative aspect of the American medical society. Right. And for them to get acknowledged as a therapist using music, okay, uh, there's a lot of st uh, strict rules uh, that abide. And there are people out there in the world who are going, I'm a drummer and it's a drummer's heel. And so this is a healing drum and I'm going to show you how to do it. And these music, these music therapists have spent four to eight years, you know, going through the process to become quote certified, you know, um, card carrying um, music therapists. Mm -hmm. So yes, they do know, and, 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 and there's always a drum circle in every music therapy convention mm -hmm. in the United States and now around the world. Um, and also uh, uh, drum classes and, and the, the drum circle game classes and things like that, um, um, because they have discovered the use and the power of the drum as a healing tool. Mm -hmm. Okay, but you have to be politically sensitive in the in in that word. But the you know the the drum saved my life, and I know many people that can say that, and for so many reasons and in so many different ways. Um, here is the thing about the drum. What Baba Tunde Ola Tunde uh, Ola Tunji says or said, um, 
who I've worked with and studied with for 20 years. Um, it's the most accessible instrument. Mm-hmm. Period. It's the easiest to play. And it's the easiest to be able to share your spirit. If we got, a, oh, maybe kazoos, you could work with kazoos too. But um, um, flutes and violins and oboes and pianos and and uh, guitars and, and banjos. Okay, first of all, you got to know the structure. You, you have to know your circle of fifths. You have to agree to, on what chord structure you're going to be playing in, okay, and you know, all that other stuff. Drums, nothing. It's about that innocent, fearless spirit that you had as a child that expressed yourself in dance, music, and song long before you understood what dance, music, and song is. I got a, um, um, what, a year and three-month-old grandson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's growing up uh, amongst uh, uh, a musical family. So the, the nature of the beast is he's, he'll hit anything to test to see how it sounds. So he was just like me when I was a kid, right? doesn't matter. If he had a kid sister, he'd probably hit her to see how she would sound. Um, uh, and it's, but we'll we correct that when it comes up. Yeah. Uh, now, um, um, and he dances and he sings. Uh, but he's not special because he grew up in a musical family. He's, he's just special because he's uh, a spirit. And there are plenty of children that age who are just toddlers walking around exploring and expressing themselves in music or in dance or in song with their vocal, with their body, or with uh, their relationship with the outside world by hitting something to see the kind of musical response that they'll get. Okay? So it's natural. It's the nature of the beast. We all have it. When I did nothing but corporate trainings, which I did for a while, and I, I, I was well-paid and rich, um, but I wasn't on the mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I finally got rid of that one um, and, and passed it on. But, uh, you know, you do a 100-person drum circle at a uh, opening of an off-site program for uh, a corporate convention, and you have 10 people coming up and who are fully grown executives in their professional business as a director of operations for the blah, 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 whatever. And they're, they've got the look in the eyes. And when I see the look in the eyes, I know what the stories are going to be. And the stories are, you know, I was a musical kid. I was uh, a natural uh, drummer. I I was a natural singer. Uh, uh, This thing that you had us do reminded me um, about who I was and where I was going until a music teacher got a hold of me and told me, uh, taught me how dumb I was and that I never wanted to play music again or how uh, I was told women were supposed to be uh, um, seen, not heard, uh, or 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 whatever the story is, 
And just by having that experience inside a corporate team building drumming environment took them back to that place where for one reason or another about where society told them that they had to quote, grow up, unquote, um, that musical direction that they were going into that, that fearless, innocent expression of rhythm, song and dance was shut down by the adults in their life. Okay. Uh, and so it's, it's within all of us. It's still there. That innocent, fearless spirit of exploration through rhythm and song and dance. And now, as you take a look at the personal growth programs that are happening all over the world, um, especially in the US and in Western cultures, where people are making a living by creating the environment for those people I just described to find a safe place to recover, uh, discover and uncover that fearless rhythmical spirit they had as a child. Mm -hmm. End of subject. Yeah, I mean, do you find that it kind of bypasses the anger, the frustration, at least on an emotional level. Let me address that. Yeah. You're in a drum circle. Mm -hmm. You just had a fight with your boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh, you are worrying about the rent. Uh, you're not happy with your life. Mm -hmm. uh, you just uh, had a, a confrontation with your boss. You are whatever it is, but you're in a drum circle. Somebody made you come or you're already um, uh uh, involved in that community kind of thing or whatever, whatever, you just find yourself. And there's this group and they're drumming together. Now it's all not drums. It's sometimes it's even uh, musical instruments, but uh, um, what I like to do when I am setting up a program, I'm going to do um, um, Sharon Williams paint company mm -hmm. world executive conference in Disney World next year, uh, no, no, next next February, mm -hmm. we're gonna have two thousand people there. Wow! In that circle. Wow! Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a big circle, and they're gonna have a whole lot of fun. Uh, and, and it's it's kind of like the opener, the the icebreaker for their offsite offsite four day conference that they're having at Disney World, right? And and so they've got no clue what's gonna hit them. <laughs> It, it, you know, and it's going to be joyful noise and they're going to have lots of fun. And this guy's going to guide them to a place that they have no clue they're going to get to, but they will. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's 20 of them, 200 of them or 2000 of them. I'll get them there. I've been doing this a while. Mm -hmm. I'm 73 now. Um, now, um, but in that moment, in that time, in that place, there is a vibration that's created by all the instrument. Mm -hmm. That vibration is a massage. That massage permeates anything that's not working for you. And it doesn't matter. We were talking pretty much on a normal format of um, going there with some sort of tension. It will massage that tension out of you. If you go there and you are... Mm, mentally challenged or physically challenged or you're handicapped in some way, that vibration will go around that handicap and go to the place 
where the healing needs to take place. It doesn't matter. It permeates your body, your heart, your mind, your soul. It puts you in the place of now because it is in the moment music. You are asked to be here now to share your spirit at this moment with what you're hearing and put in your representation of how this song should sound like. What is your contribution? And you're there. And when you put that in, that changes. That changes what's happening by you just being there. And in that change, that moment is over with. And the music continues. And you're in the next moment. And so, number one, you're forced to be in the now. Be here now, in the moment. Thank you, Baba Ramdas. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, in that, there's also the aspect of the interactive connections and the fact that the president of the company is sitting next to you and your secretary is sitting on the other side of you and you're some sort of you know, executive director. It, the, the titles are gone. It doesn't matter if you're the janitor or the president, okay, or if you're a doctor or a thief. Okay? It makes no difference. It is that you identify yourself as other than the fact that you are human animal with two arms, maybe none, okay, depending on what kind of situation you're in, uh, but you are expressing your rhythmic spirit with these people and it evolves and dissolves those identifications of separation. And now we're all just people. That's number two. Number three, the vibration is seeking that place, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that feeds the spirit from which you are emanating and expressing in that moment. And if there is some sort of blockage, like water flowing around a rock to its mother, the ocean, Mm -hmm. that vibration goes to that place. Mm -hmm. So um, I do tie it. Um, um, tithing is, um, um, uh, you give 10% back to your church. That's, mm-hmm. that's basically tithing. Mm-hmm. It, you can do it in different ways. My church has to be the church of rhythm. And so wherever I go, I'm totally open to doing, um, a program with a group that needs it the most, uh, and can afford it the least for no charge. Mm-hmm. Okay, doesn't matter. Uh, in Kuala Lumpur, there is a Parkinson's disease center that whenever I go to Kuala Lumpur, which is about once every two years, I'm stopping off in that, dis- uh, that Parkinson's center because, um, because of one particular uh, little old lady that's still there. Um, um, but also because it's part of the tithing, get back to your church. And so I do a drum circle with a bunch of people with Parkinson's at their center. And it's just, 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 to, to, just to illuminate what I just told you about that vibration. There's this little old lady. She's little, she's old, and she's a lady. And um, she's got heavy, heavy Parkinson's, okay? Um, she can't walk. Uh, and if you stop, if I stop and talk, she, she'll shake so much that sometimes she'll shake the mallet right out of her hand, mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, but the minute I go one, two, let's all play, and we're all playing together, she's bright-eyed, steady, clear, solid, right on, and nothing mm-hmm. is shaking. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's just an amazing. So she makes me shut up. Because <laughs> if I stop to have these normal, what we call windows of communication between rhythm pieces, okay, um, um, she starts, she just, you know, automatically the Parkinson's disease uh, uh, takes, takes over. But when she's drumming and her, her spirit is being channeled from the other side of the Parkinson's disease through her body into the, the, the drum that she's playing with a mallet, okay, um, it's not there more of her is there and it's just an it's an amazing thing to watch uh and it 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 just those kinds of things that happen okay um you don't always know that one was totally obvious i just love i call her mildred uh, she's got a name i can't pronounce um um uh, uh those are the obvious ones the the unobvious ones is um another story that I carry in my heart uh, it's a, a little as a little old as an old and lady <laughs> lady she's finally passed on but um, um, I've been doing drum circles in Kessel Germany once a year for about 12 years on a regular basis as a closing um, uh, program uh, for my trainings in Germany and she lived downtown we uh, found that the circus was in town on a Monday night. The circus is closed, but they have the old fashioned European um, circus tents. Mm-hmm. So you walk up some steps in this round tent and you're actually looking at a perfect drum circle setup where there are uh, seats um, in, in the round going down four levels. So you walk up and then you walk down into this arena. And so you facilitate from the center. Everybody can see everybody else because everybody is sitting in concentric circles, one head above the next person. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's perfect place. I just love that when it's happened happened a couple of times. And so I'm I'm doing a drum circle. No big deal. Um, Having a lot of fun. Mom, dads, and kids, community event. And she shows up. And she's, she, she's bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. She's looking around. She's hugging the drum that they shoved in her chest and um, pushed her into the door when she came up because she was curious. Um, and she's looking for a seat, and there is no seat. The only seat is the seat that I've been reserving for myself uh, on the bottom row in, towards the middle of the circle. So I bring her down the steps. I put her in my seat, and I show her how to play the, the doombeck. And we're halfway through the drum circle already. Um, and we drum and within 10, 15 minutes, she just, her mascara is washed away by her tears mm-hmm. and I'm from California and I, you know, naturally I go, well, maybe this girl needs a hug. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look at her and I open up my arms, you know, it's everything okay. It's all right. She smiles at me, brilliant, beautiful smile and waves me away, keeps drumming and continues to cry and cry and cry and cry. Okay, had a great drum circle. That was an experience and that was a story. Now, am I gonna get that story or not? See, you don't know. We, we, we cherish the stories that we do get because we do realize 
that people have their epiphanies in the drum circle. They have their healings, their personal things that happen. The, we know that when they walk out of that drum circle, their life is a little bit better one way or another, for one reason or another, because we've released the tension. We've given them a place where they are equal with everyone else in the circle and they have an equal voice and their part means something and all of this other stuff, right? So we know that they're there, but we don't always get the stories. So drum circle's over. I'm outside the tent and I'm doing my usual thing. Thank you for coming to Rhythm Church. I hope you enjoyed the sermon. Uh, and of course, I'm not always saying that, but uh, and, and, and there's a line of people who wanna thank me or have me sign their drum or, or uh, one of my books or whatever, and I I look off into the forest because we were in uh, we were in the park in downtown Kessel, Germany, um, uh, near the river, and there she is, and she's holding the hand of a young man who I know is a college student who did my training, um, and I went, I'm going to get that story, and it's obviously she's going to wait till everybody's gone. Okay, and so um, the, the, the line goes through and I sign things and hug people and give them acknowledgement and they acknowledge me and so on and so forth. Then she comes up, okay, and here's the story. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. She's in her apartment, downtown Kessel. She feels, she says, she feels this something. Doesn't know what it was, but she felt it. And so she opened up a window and then she could begin to hear that there was some sort of thing happening in the park, noisy, entertaining, kind of high energy. And it was, it was drawing her physically to that, making her curious. And so she put on her black coat and she's always wearing black and she's walking through the park to the circus tent. When she was she, when she was a young lady, she married her boyfriend, her school, high school sweetheart. Just before, he went off to the Eastern Front in World War II and was killed. Mm. She became a widow mm -hmm. at the age of 17, 18, okay? And she stayed a widow. And she was coming through the forest, all dressed in dark and black and as a widow, okay, of, of the war. Okay, there are still some of them today walking around that way who mm -hmm. just can't let go mm -hmm. of, of their loved one. And that's, that was it, she couldn't let go. So she climbs up the stairs in the tent and like good Germans, they shove a drum in her chest and push her into the circle. Uh, and she's standing there. I give her my seat. She sits down and she plays. And the vibration of that circle, that happy, family-friendly community, uh, express your spirit, make a, make a good ending for a good day vibration, went to the place where she was holding her husband and couldn't let him go. And that's what made her the widow. And she created in that moment with her drum and the vibration, a little ceremony and said goodbye to him. She drummed him away. Mm. 
okay? Mm-hmm. And that's the story she was telling me as she was looking up at me with her bright, beautiful blue eyes uh, and crying. And, and, and the poor man who was translating for her was crying and I was crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that was it. She had, she had let go of her husband. She finally, she's no longer a widow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. She hugged me. She gave me a bear hug that nearly killed me. <laughs> said, Thielen Donk. And, and uh, I, I knew Donk Shane, but Thielen Donk means thank you as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I knew that she was going to go home, wake up the next morning, look around and go, what are all these black clothes and go yeah. shopping. Right. And, and it, that is exactly what happened because she showed up to the community drum circle the next year in the most beautiful, colorful, flowery, Bavarian kind of dress you could think of. Oh, beautiful. End of story. Mm. And so that's a story I carry with me in my heart. And sometimes when the work gets hard or I get lost in politics with the community as it's growing mm-hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff, I stop, take a breath and remember, mm. remember those stories that keep me going. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That was only two questions now, right. maybe three. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, two. How long is your blog? Three hours? <laughs> hey, it can be. It can be. Okay. Let's just keep going. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we can do it in sections. All right. W- what else you got? Yeah. I mean, what struck me about what you were saying is two things. Obviously, you know, making the community a better place, making us feel more human and more connected. But I was, I also was thinking about this bit of a paradox that happens with the drums. You know, you're, you're keeping rhythm and time. You're keeping track. But you're also losing track of time. Why? Why do you think that happens? You know, this. Oh, the, it's the, that. That goes back to the in in the moment thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It goes back to the in the moment thing it, uh, because if you're in the moment, there is no time. Mm. It's a timeless situation. You know that. So there's many times that I've been scheduled to do and hired by corporates to do a one-hour event. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I I make sure that there's a little bit of break time afterwards between the end of that scheduled one-hour event and whatever they're going to do next, okay? Uh, And that is because about a third of the time, the people who hired me are actually paying attention to the energy in the room, and they're taking a look, and it's time to end, and they're actually giving me the continue to play signal that mm-hmm. I taught them an hour before uh, as a, as a, as a, you know, continue to play kind of thing. I'm, I'm looking over to them and I'm, I'm, I'm putting my hand on my wrist going, you know, I've got five minutes left. Right. And they go, no, no, no. You know, you've got 20 minutes left, whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, because time actually stops. And the, the, if you're reading the group, which is one of the things we teach, how to read the group, how to quantify what's going on in so many different levels. Um, the group will tell you when it's time to quit. And, and sometimes uh, outdoor community drum circles are scheduled for two hours and, and people are coming and going. There's a little transit energy in the circle itself. They're not just coming at the beginning and playing and leaving at the end. Okay. Uh, and you, you literally can watch the bodies of the the people playing and the body language will tell you 
not just the sound of the music, that we're coming to a close. It's time to bring this to a close, even though the advertised event was supposed to go another 10, 15, 20 minutes. Okay. So there, that timelessness that happens with inside um, this event affects different people differently. But if they're having epiphanies, then it doesn't matter what, what time it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my questions is what has kept you invested in this over the years? And I think it probably has a lot to do with some of those stories and experiences you've had from people. So maybe my question is more, what part of your work is most important to you right now? What curiosity is coming forth? What's driving you to continue to do this? Well, what, what's driving me to continue to do this is mission, okay? Um, when I first started out, I, I, had a, I had a passion for rhythm. I had a passion for sharing. I had a passion for teaching. Uh, and, and it was the community that came together around me that taught me a lot about mission. And slowly but surely, now that I you know, go to eight to 14 countries a year um, doing these trainings, um, um, it's the mission that keeps me going. It's the, it's the, it's the fire in the belly. I, I keep forgetting I'm, you know, 70 something years old. Uh, I get in the middle and I can hurt myself now. I can't jump as high as I used to, <laughs> so on and so forth. Um, but it is, it's that mission orientation that, that, that moves me forward. And the mission changes uh, as I've evolved uh, as my students have helped me evolve, and as the community itself has evolved. So we get the usual suspects. It really doesn't matter where it is. China for the last eight years, Japan for the last 20 years, um, uh, uh, Norway or the Scandinavian regions for the last 15 years. Um, it, it, the, the usual suspects are music therapists, Kids at risk, counselors, um, corporate trainers, special needs people, um, people working in prisons. In other words, the usual suspects are people who already are caregivers in some way. And they haven't come to learn how to run a big public community drum circle. They've come to learn uh, these tools that they can take back into the community that they're serving as a caregiver and use those tools to further their personal mission, whatever that is. Um, and because of that, um, the education I've received in, in relationship to going out and doing these kinds of trainings, how to facilitate a rhythm-based event, is um, I'm getting less attached to the formula and more attached to the result. Uh, and of course, I forgot to list uh, the uh, in the usual suspects the, the the other factor, which is troublemakers, and you would call them drummers. So there are people who are, you know, have come to drum circles and see this happening, and they want to be a part of it, and they want to know how to, and they've got they they got this foundation. Some people have got so much foundation, like the culturally specific drummers, that they actually have to unlearn some things for them to be able to be an empowerment tool for beginning beginner drummers, right? Mm -hmm. You can't walk in the circle and look, act, or be like a drum teacher 
even though internally some of the job descriptions of a drum circle facilitator is to teach them without teaching how to listen to each other, the certain basic elements that make music work and collaboration work in a musical environment. And so um, I've been, this is a 20 year project for me. Um, I've been teaching for the last 35, 40 years, but um, I picked 15, 20 years ago, my international trainers. I just forgot to tell them for 10 years. And I just watch them walk their talk. It's like, yeah, they're doing it, uh, and but they but they've got to be a good facilitator. They have to be a good organizer, a good promoter, have good business skills, have good business ethics, okay, and be a good teacher. So they're already doing some sort of rhythm uh, program that they develop themselves, uh, and they have to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, so I picked 20 people and 16 of them made it. That's pretty right? good. Yeah. That's, that's very good. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pleased because mm-hmm. I, I, I saw what they're doing and where their potential was. And mm-hmm. I went, okay, I'll watch them for 10 years because I knew that we weren't going to do the succession program that we are now about to finish. Okay. Mm-hmm. Until, uh, until at least 10 years. And so, you are asking what is really on top of that for me is, is that, that, uh, you know, up, up until, uh, uh, 2017, I was the guy I had to run around go to, you know, uh, anywhere from eight to 14 countries a year and do three day trainings and six day trainings. And that was, it was me yeah. and I'm 73. Right. <laughs> That's a lot for Uh, any age. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, also there's the aspect of a footprint. Right. Uh, Getting on Mm -hmm. those planes and flying all over those countries. I just cannot plant enough trees to make up for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So why not let the people who are ready to do that, who are also on the mission and and, uh, have proven themselves that they're on the mission, do the mission. Okay. And so I'm turning the three-day system over to my protégés, who are now my teammates. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a global training team all over the world doing these, finally. I'm a little slow on the uptake on, on lots of things. And, but luckily for me, I've made the right choices. Mm-hmm. And the timing is right. Um, and by the time we're done, you know, I can't even do the numbers. I'm, I'm a drummer, remember, which means I can only count to four. Right. And then I have to start over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's uh, 16, 21, two, six plus the three. Okay, that's 16, that's 26, 27, 28, 29. Really somewhere between 28 and 30 people uh, doing three-day training programs that's around fantastic. the world, including wow. America. Yeah. Um, that's and that's cool because now I only do six-day programs and, mm-hmm. and the 10-day uh, leadership mentor programs, programs with my friend Jim Bono. Mm-hmm. And I went, cool, man, more time for uh, my Lego room. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. I mean, that's, that's my hobby. What's your hobby? It's, my hobby is not drumming. That's my passion. <laughs> right. What's your hobby? Uh, Legos. Um, um, uh, but of course, uh, it's, it, it's a plan fell apart and I'll be going to China three times and, okay. 
Australia yeah. and Malaysia and Japan, mm-hmm. plus Germany and uh, Italy. Well, so uh, yeah. I've slowed down <laughs> a little. Yeah, I've slowed down a little. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, China is a different place. I've been do- going there for about eight years and developing a program there that's different than the regular programs in the West, just because of the culture and how it works. Oh, we're doing a three-level system. Somebody comes to a three-day, they they take the three-day program and and they go out into the to the world and they do field work because that's where the real training takes place. It's not in the classroom and doing these um, uh, perfect little drum circles where everybody knows the rules, right? It's taking this stuff out into the world and really getting the experience you need to to make the mistakes you need to learn how to be able to do this. So. Uh, after I did my first three-day program eight years ago in Beijing, and we're on the speed train, speed train heading for Xi'an, which is in western China, I'm looking across the aisle, and there's a couple of my students from the three-day program going to Xi'an because it was all about certification. That it's like, okay, I've done the one, you know, I've done the first level, so I'm going to Xi'an two days later and doing the second level, right? No, 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 that's not how it works. No, so um, level one, level two, level three, there's there are job descriptions that have to be fulfilled for you to be able to come to that same class again, three day three day program, um, because. If you go to the same class the next day, you're not going to learn that much more. But if you take the three-day drum circle facilitator training, and then you go out in the world and you use it, then you, the real teacher is not me, it's the world. And the world teaches you so much, you've just gotten out, gotten enough information from Arthur to get in a lot of trouble. And that's where you're learning to take place. So you go out there and you get in trouble. You do 12 to 20... Uh, drum circles in the year you come back and you come to the same drum circle training not much changes in the outside but the inside it's a totally new training for you because you've got this layer of experience okay and so between level two and level three now all of a sudden it's not just doing drum circles but establishing yourself in the community and um, um, uh, establishing uh, if not a a full-on business, establishing it in such a way that, you know, you are a mature person and you're ready for some leadership skills because you've, you, when you do drum circles, you bring community together. It's just by the nature of the beast. And when you bring community together, you actually are given responsibilities as an elder in training. And that is also just the nature of the beast. When you do good things for good reasons, you get more responsibility okay and so the level three is more about a mentoring and a leadership training and you take the same principles and the same radar skills <coughs> that you're using as a drum circle facilitator now you expand it out into your community and those skills will help you in your elder in training mm-hmm. training mm-hmm. okay yeah, I love that. The experience is the best teacher. And mm-hmm. and just it's really cool even just you know, I've I've read about you, heard about you from other colleagues and but just to hear how this is all developed and what a community and family you've created. I mean, I and can only imagine how proud you are. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I am proud of because of uh, because it is the community. I didn't create it. I started with a passion, um, uh, and I had as much ego as anybody else, and I probably still do. But uh, redirecting that wild dog <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, was the work of the community, and finding out that what I was doing was only scratching the surface of the potential of what this was about was is all because of the community. So I'm surrounded by people uh, and family uh, that is an international family that are my friends. They know I'm a human being. I am not some sort of guru. They call me on my shit uh, and they guide me and uh, help me move this community to the place where, where it is. So, um, you know, this is, I, I don't know what is this, the 15th, drum circle uh facilitators guild conference i've been to every one of them uh and uh, we get this just a just a wonderful cross-cut smorgasbord of everything that we uh we represent as drum circle facilitators so there's people who are working with toddlers giving us programs and the people who are doing um uh, kids games for kids in school giving us programs and there's people who are, are uh, doing uh, and teaching us about how to deal with well elderly drum circles and um, you know how to be a professional um, business orientation outreach um, all those aspects of becoming a professional drum circle facilitator because it's, that's what you want to do in your life we they come together and the cross cut is amazing and at the same time it's all my children and it's, 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 it's the family. Uh, there's this, it's not a, the normal professional kind of guild conference that you, you're used to coming to. Um, there is a celebration that happens of the com- the family and the community. And usually about half of it, even though all the programs have been in America, um, um, about, um, I, no, I'd say maybe a third of them, are international. The, the, the international people show up for this event, and the, the same thing is going to happen this February when we do our program. So I'm, you know, I'm. I, what am I excited about? I'm excited about where this community is going to take us in the next generation. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I hope to stay alive long enough to watch that happen. Mm-hmm. But it's not me driving it. It's the community saying, "Here we are." Mm-hmm. This is what we know. This is what we've been doing. And this is where we're going. It's that shared passion. Yeah. You betcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anything that you would like to add before we, we say we're good? For those? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. This only take another hour. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> no. Um, um, sing a song. Do a dance, drum a drum, uh, find some way every single day to be creative for yourself, to let that creative energy flow out of you into the world and manifest in the way that it's going to do just once a day, like a little meditation, but it's a free form meditation. It's not like sitting down and uh, trying to find where your breath is, find where your life is, but whatever pulls your heart to express the spirit of of color of of movement 
of rhythm, of music. Find that little place and do that little meditation once a day. And find where your heart, don't make the decision, let your heart make that decision about where you go with that and what you do with it. It doesn't, you don't have to be on a mission. You will, usually most people find themselves on the mission. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and by doing this, number one, it's just good for you and good for the people around you to take that little bit of time to do a little doodling, doodle on a paper or just when nobody's looking, go ahead and lift your arms and, and lift your legs and do a little ditty dance that you, <laughs> it, you would be embarrassed if somebody saw you do it. Right. right. Uh, or, or just um, take a, um, um, a pot in the kitchen, turn it upside down and tap your hands on it mm -hmm. and find, see if there's a rhythm there or test the sound of your staircase with a wooden spoon uh, or, you know, rhythm is everywhere. Sound is everywhere. Stop and listen. And if you're in the middle of a metropolitan city, find a place where you don't get ran over, mm -hmm. sit down and listen to the further sounds that you can hear. And then listen to the further sound beyond that and find the rhythm in the music that surrounds you in everyday life in a metropolitan city. Whatever it is, give yourself a little time every day to open up the door of that repressed spirit that wants to express itself in movement, dance, song, artwork, whatever kind of creative environment, because it'll make a place in your soul for you to be. Mm, I love that. I love that. Yeah, just expressing yourself, being playful, listening, allowing that to be your meditation. That is no judgment. Right. And no, no fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this, yeah, see what, see what happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing well, that. Natalie, this was really, really enjoyable. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for your time and, and your passion about everything yeah. that you do and just how you... Now, you're, you're the hollow reed, okay? Uh, I'm on a mission, uh, and you, whoever is listening to this, this podcast, this is a podcast? That's right. Or, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, is, you know, I'm, you've given me access to a group of people who are already of like mind, heart, and spirit, or they wouldn't be listening to you anyway. That's right. But yeah. this might be some sort of inspiration for them to move forward on whatever it is that is already vibrating and moving in their life. Mm. So I thank you very much, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be able to talk to you and and through you being the hollow reed to talk to your constituency and to your community. Oh, and thank you for making this world and our community a better place. Thank you so much. I actually don't have a choice. Uh, neither do we if we open our hearts. That's right. Mm. Well, thanks for being so open and so fun to talk to as ah. well. <laughs> well. I love that God. your personality comes across too. I have no choice. That's part. That's where I could channel my ego without hurting people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
God bless, uh, Buddha bless, uh, Baba Olatunji bless, uh, Zoroaster bless, uh, and and uh, while you're at it, bless yourself. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you so much for joining this episode of Sounds Heal podcast. You can keep up to date with what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com, on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio, and YouTube on the Sounds Heal Studio channel. You can hear meditations, sound performances, and other podcasts. Be well and stay tuned.